0: Hello and welcome back to the Murderosity podcast, where we discuss all things murder, mayhem, the mysterious and the macabre. I'm your co-host, Bob Hancock, and I am joined on the other side by the rebellious Rebel Roan. Rebel, how are you doing this week?
1: I'm doing good. (laughs) How are you?
0: Oh, I I can't complain. I, I know we say how excited we are every week, but this might be the most excited about a case I've been so far.
1: Yeah, this one's a good one and it's awesome because it takes place in our hometown of Casper, Wyoming. So, that's even better. We're near it, our hometown anyway.
0: It it is. So, I don't know exactly where you were in the whole Casper area, but I was out towards Mills, which you guys won't know this if you're not a Casper listener, but it's a small town just west of Casper. It's kind of conjoined, but Casper is such a it's such a a big little town. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. I definitely will say it's the most modern town in Wyoming. It is the second largest, but it, it's, it's got a history to it that's – that it, it just brings a little bit of charm to it in a way. But as our podcast deals with murder, mayhem, and the macabre, I must point out that our town got its name through some rather bloody means. So way back in the 1860s, 1865 – there was a group of U.S. soldiers that were protecting a bridge crossing and telegraph station. They were attacked by a group of indigenous warriors, and the commanding officer, Lieutenant Caspar Collins, was killed there. Now, it's important to note his name spelled C-A-S-P-A-R. Well, when the town was founded, to back up a moment, they renamed the fort after him. And the fort still stands there, Fort Caspar. We have our cool little reenactment once a year and everybody goes down and gets their buffalo burgers and sees what the frontier life was like because we don't live enough of that every day in Wyoming (laughs) but there was a when the town itself was founded it was to become a railhead it was supposed to actually rival both Bessemer and Douglas Wyoming and a clerical error changed it to Casper C-A-S-P-E-R it was just a, a typo that was never corrected and so from 1888 until now, Casper is Casper. Now Casper's outlasted Bessemer, obviously, and Douglas, which we'll discuss a little bit as well. Now Douglas is still around, but it didn't take off anywhere near like Casper did. Now, um,
1: have you ever been to Port Casper?
0: Oh, I was. I was. I was a yearly kid there. In fact, when I was in our JROTC, we had our we had our little unit that would go down there and spend the night there with with our little uniforms on and <laughs> yeah i i went there i went there multiple times a year as a kid i also liked the little museum that they had there that was set up yeah did did you ever go down
1: i did i went a few times when i was a kid and then i actually did a they do a paranormal like haunted tour in the fall around this time of year around october and so i went and did one of those and that was fun
0: i am incredibly jealous of you getting to do that everything supernatural when i was a kid was forbidden so now i've taken on like massive amounts of of the horror element into my adult life to to make up for those few years that i missed so yes. i think that's awesome the fort casper historical society down there always did a really 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 good job so many stories that there there are too many to share but the the reenactments there were always a big part of my year getting to see like how the natives at that time were were versus how they were portrayed. Right. Yeah, it was it was really really fun and to be honest, it was the first time I ever had a buffalo burger in my life, and burgers are my favorite food in the whole wide world because you can do so much with them. So I can honestly say that was a life changing burger moment. I would save up money throughout the year and that and the Central Wyoming Fair, which is right across the street from Fort Caspar, um, were the two things that I would send and spend my money on. And I actually went to the academy in Casper that was named after this guy. I know it's changed now. I think it's Casper Classical Academy is what it's called now, but or, or they were in the midst of changing it. But yeah, the, the, that whole area just absolutely shaped shaped that. And and Casper was known for other things as well. I mean, we, we did have oil fields that were there. We do have a wind farm that's there. Education-wise, it boasts a college and uh, I think three high schools still. Yeah, Kelly Walsh, Natrona County, and Roosevelt. So I was a Mustang from Natrona County. You were as well, were you not? I was
1: not. I went to Kelly Walsh. I was a Trojan.
0: You were a Trojan. Oh, boy. I was, yep. Um, well, I can forgive you this. Um, <laughs> so funny story on that. When I went to the academy, my freshman year, I was on the forensics team. And we actually were part of the Kelly Walsh forensics team. And then when I went to Natrona County, uh, we were led by uh, Matt Sharpnack was our coach. And then when I went to Natrona County for high school, I attended one meet under the coach there and I just couldn't do it. So I, I dropped away from that. So I will definitely say that uh, your superior debate skills at your high school were well known. Mm-hmm. Now, Casper, also, I we have an airport there which is kind of a rarity for Wyoming as well. We don't yeah. have too many of them. Now, one thing that we did have, and he went to my school. I'm not sure if this is bragging or not, but we had a vice president that came from our, our city as well, Vice President Dick Cheney. I actually did and didn't get to meet the, the gentleman. I was on his honor guard for our ROTC unit, but I was always in front of him and at attention, so I wasn't allowed to turn around. So he gave his entire commencement speech. We de- dedicated our field to him when we played against Kelly Walsh that year, actually. And he was behind me talking and giving his speech. And then he left. And by the time I was allowed to turn around, he was gone. So um, oh, I was like, yeah, I was, I was like 10 feet directly in front of him and <laughs> never even saw him. So, yeah, I, we, we have we have had a couple of football stars as well. Zane Beatles, former Bronco. And Logan Wilson, current Cincinnati Bengal, but that's about as much levity as we're going to get out of this podcast. This is a pretty heavy one. So without further ado, Rebel, would you like to take it away?
1: Yeah. So our story is about Lisa Marie Kimmel. She was born July 18th, 1969 in Covington, Tennessee. She was the oldest child of three. She was raised in Billings, Montana and graduated high school there in 1987. After graduation, she took a job in Aurora, Colorado, which is near Denver, managing an Arby's store. Her mother was a regional manager, and they commuted between Aurora and Billings. This was quite a long drive, over 550 miles between the two cities, about eight hours drive, little longer back then due to changes in speed limits. Right now, it's 80 miles an hour through a large portion of Wyoming, but back then, it wasn't that long.
0: Yeah, back then, I think it was closer to 55. Yeah. With the exception of Montana, because Montana for a long time didn't have a speed limit on their highways, but uh, the federal government threatened to cut off funding if they didn't. So they did have to fix that. Now, you mentioned that she took a job in Aurora, Colorado, suburb of Denver. That's actually where I was born. Wow. Um, Back then, there was an army base called Lowry, and I was born at Fitzsimmons Army Medical Center, Lowry, Base in uh, Aurora, Colorado. Oh, wow my my little sister she actually still lives in aurora and i've lived in denver several years ago but aurora denver uh, beautiful beautiful area of the rockies but yeah wow to drive from aurora to billings uh
1: not only is that a long
0: drive but there's there's just nothing between there and there so wow yeah all right
1: yeah my dad lives in aurora wow oh does he Yeah, he's been there for a long, long time. But yeah, so and I've got family down in Pueblo, which is a few hours south of there.
0: Yeah, Pueblo is another really, really nice area. Any year now, supposedly, they're going to have a high speed rail system between Denver and Pueblo. But we'll see how that goes. Now, was it on one of these drives that something happened?
1: Yes. On the day of her disappearance, March 25th, 1988, 18-year-old Lisa was making this commute alone. Her mom had flown to Billings from Denver as she was planning to go on a ski trip. On the way to Billings, Lisa planned to stop in Cody, Wyoming to pick up her boyfriend, Ed. She drove a Honda CRX with a personalized license plate that read Little Miss, L-I-L, and Miss. Ed later called to say that she never made it to pick him up.
0: So she was driving to Cody and then on to Billings. Have you ever um, Have you ever been to Cody or spent any time there?
1: I think I blinked once and missed it, but... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've been there but I I don't I have very vague recollections about it.
0: You you're not far wrong. It's it's incredibly small. Actually pretty low elevation for Wyoming as well. Low population, about 10,000 people, but back when I was a youngster in high school I used to do a lot of rodeoing and in the summer they have the Cody Night Rodeo, so I would go up there after I'd saved up some money for a few weeks and wasted all up there sleeping out of my truck and and hitting the rodeos at night. They also had some out in KC, but Cody's really, really, really beautiful. They do have the Buffalo Bill Scenic Byway that goes, like, really close to the cliffs that are by Yellowstone. But, yeah, she would have really, really lowered the population if she took her boyfriend with him.
1: Right, yeah. So there was an unconfirmed sighting of Lisa in a local grocery store in Casper, Wyoming, that night, but it was not able to be substantiated. The last confirmed sighting of Lisa was when she was pulled over by the Wyoming Highway Patrol at 9.06 p.m. for speeding near Douglas, Wyoming. That area is known to be an area that you don't speed through. But if you're not, I mean, if you're not from there, you don't know that. But the locals all know that you don't speed through Douglas.
0: It used to be from Wheatland to Douglas, just do the speed limit. Yeah. I was driving back from Denver with my uncle and my grandma. And back then I hadn't learned how to sing yet. And I was belting out mr roboto and it was driving my uncle insane so he he was speeding to get me back to casper um, mm-hmm. and he got pulled over right at douglas doing 96 yeah yeah it was like a 350 speeding ticket i mowed a lot of a lot of yards to help pay that off
1: yeah so, they're not lenient either they're not they're at really, all no
0: and for some they reason whenever wyoming people see green license plates it's like free range like like they they just they go after that out of stater right there for for reasons yes. I'll never understand but it is yes. what it is.
1: Yes. So the highway patrol officer followed Lisa to an ATM so she could pay her ticket. So this is you know way back when because that's never a thing that you do anymore. No. Um, the machine was incompatible with her debit card, which is another thing that's pretty much unheard of nowadays. And the officer ended up letting her go with the promise that she would mail a check for the fine when she reached Billings.
0: She wow, was, was reported a very missing.
1: Trusting. Yeah, it's a very trusting officer. She was reported missing at 9 a.m. the following morning. So it just that that's so weird to me, just the whole driving to the ATM to pay your fine. I can't even like fathom that these days. Like Now it's like, here's your ticket, go. You can pay it online usually. And it's just this really simple Thing, that seemed like a whole lot of heartache or right? i you know to get yeah. your ticket I, paid I, back then
0: i i also feel and this is nothing to this officer i don't know who he is don't know him from adam but it also feels to me a bit like a much more convenient way to have police corruption if you're if you're paying your fines in cash like does does he have a cash register in his in his squad car that he he rings her up with i uh, it's It's just, it's such a, a weird thing to imagine now, but yeah. So you said that's the last time that, that she was seen.
1: Yes. On April 2nd, 1988, eight days after her disappearance, a local fisherman found Lisa's body floating in the North Platte river near Casper, Wyoming.
0: The North Platte. Yeah. Outside of that area, I don't think many people know much about that river, but I think everybody that, grows up in in casper has a story of fishing or swimming or tubing down the river at at some point yeah i that's that's the river i learned to swim and fish in wow i i I just i can't imagine being out there with my dad fishing and and finding this poor young woman's body
1: right Uh, yeah no that's unimaginable
0: did you uh did you do any tubing or swimming down that that river
1: i did i did a lot of tubing down that river i got the worst sunburn of my life floating that river (laughs) the worst it was an overcast day and i had my legs sticking out of the tube and i was covered up with a t-shirt because it was cold it like all of a sudden got cold with the water and everything and so just my legs were sticking out and the tops of my shins got the worst sunburn i've ever had in my entire life they still that sounds
0: that sounds horrible (laughs) yeah or we used to, like, we'd get all the inner tubes out and we'd have a small inner tube that we'd cram a a, a cooler into with soda, lots yeah, of soda, soda <laughs> in in that ice in there. And that thing would always get, get lost and tether away and someone would have to get out of the tube and swim after it at some point. But, of course. Or those lovely moments where all of a sudden the riverbed rises and you're bumping along it. Those were yes, also great times. So
1: one yeah, now they have rapids there that they man-made. So. Oh, have, wow. Yeah. Over near mills, actually.
0: Oh, no way. Okay. So I remember they, they were trying to do that down off of Yellowstone highway at one point in time too. They wanted to set something up where they could do some surfing or something down there for the, the three weeks that it's warm enough for you to,
1: <laughs> to yeah.
0: enjoy that weather.
1: Exactly. Uh, yeah.
0: So she, Was found eight days later. Had she been in the water that long or?
1: No. So, an autopsy was performed and it was determined that she had been alive for at least six days. She'd been bound, beaten, and raped. She died sometime in the evening and was found 36 to 48 hours after she died. Okay. Police found evidence that she'd been taken to Old Government Bridge west of Casper, which was a remote area. They found blood in the area. She was hit on the head with a blunt instrument, which would have killed her in a matter of minutes. She was also stabbed meticulously six times in the chest and abdomen before being thrown into the river. She also had a fractured hip, which was likely caused from being thrown off the bridge.
0: So have have you ever been out that way by any chance?
1: I've seen it. I've driven by. I've seen it. But I've never been out to the site. Have you?
0: Well, in that area, yes. I've driven around the bridge. I don't think you can drive over it anymore. We used to park in that area. Uh, the fishing there was really, really, really good. That said, the river runs really, really shallow there—like not inches, but but feet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So for her to fall from there and to fracture her hip on the rocks below makes absolute sense. It's the river's also pretty fast-moving in that area. So yeah, we used to go down there and, and float our lines down the down the river over there. Again, in that area, not exactly off of Old Government Bridge, but. Yeah, my dad had told me stories of that area before, that there was another case of two brothers hurting this girl, and she actually climbed out of there and survived, but she was pretty messed up, too.
1: Yeah, I actually read about that one. We should probably do a case on that at some point, because that's a really interesting story.
0: So we'll put a pin in that, but my dad knew the kids that did that. He knew the two brothers that that were involved in that, and he was, uh, yeah, he always told me that he never, ever had thought that that was something that they were capable of, but who uh, who can say, huh? But we'll put yeah. a pin in that. We'll come back to that. So stay tuned for yeah. future episodes, listeners. Yes. What happened from from that point?
1: From there, the case grew cold, despite numerous tips and sightings of the car and Lisa in the area far north as Canada. Um, some even said they saw a man with her, but there was no solid leads. The case was featured on television shows like Unsolved Mysteries and A&E's Cold Case Files. Books have since been published about the case as well. The car was not located, though inca- investigators concentrated on finding witnesses that could bring forth pertinent information. They knew the car would likely hold a direct link to the murderer because it had the, the, the license plate that read Little Miss. A year after she disappeared, a note was left on her gravesite that police collected and kept on file. They later tied it to the perpetrator. We weren't able to find the note or its contents, so I'm not sure what it said. For years, the case sat waiting for forensics to catch up. Finally, in the summer of 2002, the cold case warmed up. Investigators were researching cold cases and came across Lisa's rape kit, which had seminal fluid in it. They ran DNA through the CODIS database and got a hit.
0: That's just so we're looking back. That's 14 years. So that's 14 years that. They waited until this, but were able to crack it open because of that. Technology in in this has come so far. I had to look into it. And just going off of last week when we were talking about like ancestry DNA and whatnot, they found that over 545 cases of rape or murder have been solved just using genetic genealogy DNA, let alone All of the other forms of DNA that have been used, like they they, they don't even have a number right now as to how many cases have been solved, like in the manner that has been done here. So it's it's, you know, when when it works and it it puts the bad guys away, I'm all for that. The number that I would also really, really be interested to know is how many people were acquitted by having this new DNA evidence brought forth.
1: The Innocence Project um, works with convicted felons that are in prison, and to work to exonerate them that are wrongfully accused and have been in prison for some time. A lot of a lot of cases.
0: It's it's terrifying to me how many end up being acquitted. The other thing that terrifies me, though, to be honest, is the the means that they are given their their freedom. Oftentimes, they have to sign an agreement not to pursue restitution from the state and whatnot and these are people that have been in prison for 16 17 18 years or longer and like how are you supposed to function when you get out like you've been indoctrinated into the system and it's it's there are some reforms needed i'm not going to go further into that but there are some reforms needed
1: yes i agree
0: so what did the what did the hit come up with what did the database hit come up with
1: Uh, The database matched the DNA to 57-year-old Dale Wayne Eaton, who lived in Moneta, Wyoming. It's about 80 miles outside of Casper. He was serving time in Englewood Federal Prison in Littleton, Colorado, on a weapons charge, and he was known to have a bad taste.
0: So, Moneta, it's 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 so weird. It was so weird for me to read this for the first time because while I'd never stopped there, I've driven through that place a hundred times going going camping going fishing heading out west that way and it's a population of i think 12 is literally nice. the population that's out there and they were given their township because they had a they had a post office that's that was put out there but it's been closed since the 70s but if you drive out there you still see that it says post office written in black paint on what looks like a barn just sitting out in the middle of nowhere and there there's another town that's right across the street from it with a population of like six so right it's if that doesn't scream wyoming there nothing else does i will say that percentage wise that probably makes mineta probably one of the most dangerous towns in the u.s for numbers of criminals per person so yeah so the police they 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 get his dna what do they do
1: So they obtained his his DNA and placed profile in Dakotas in 1997. He was arrested for kidnapping a family at gunpoint after their car broke down. After his initial arrest for this crime, Eaton escaped and was recaptured. The time he possessed a weapon, which caused it to be a federal offense, and thus the police collected his DNA sample. So it it kind of speaks to the bad past that we talked about earlier. He wasn't a nice person.
0: Well, no, I mean, uh, judging off of this, I mean, it, it would definitely at least lead you to, I mean, the DNA is a pretty good indicator, but a violent person, pension for kidnapping. Yeah, this guy's a winner.
1: Yes. And around the time of the murder, Eaton was seen by neighbors digging a large hole on his property. So that's just kind of a red flag. In 2002, the authorities excavated the site and they found Lisa's Honda CRX still with the Little Miss license plate on it. So I remember in the newspaper when this happened. Do you remember Um, hearing about this back then?
0: So I do. It was a massive thing where we grew up. Right. The Casper Star Tribune, that was a front page news. Yeah, this was I do. I do very much remember this right. happening and some of the things that happened afterwards. Uh, yes. This was about the time that I was getting ready to get up and out of Casper. So this was like right at the tail end of my time there. But yes, I do remember that. In fact, uh, the first we heard of it was on uh, K2 News. We were watching TV and and it popped up with with that. And they had pictures of like a backhoe mm. pulling up yeah. dirt. And I remember this this really dirty looking car and they zoomed in on the license plate but i also i this could be a false memory but i remember how the the car actually seemed in in a lot better condition than i thought it should have for for what for being buried for so long yeah Though, i
1: actually saw a picture of it and it did look in, in remarkably good condition considering it had been buried in the ground
0: yeah and like wyoming is brutal when it comes to to weather on on anything but vehicles especially so so they 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 dig the car out and it's got the license plate on it so i mean we've got pretty good indicators for pretty much any everything that we were looking for what did the police do with him then
1: so eaton was charged with first degree premeditated murder aggravated kidnapping aggravated robbery first degree sexual assault and second degree sexual assault so there was eight charges in all and he went to jail According to another inmate, Joseph Francis Dax, Eaton confessed that Lisa had offered him a ride, which he accepted. He made sexual advances, which Lisa did not like, so she pulled over to let him out, and he testified in court that Eaton then kidnapped her.
0: So I think it kind of goes without saying now. Hitchhiking, both picking up someone and getting in a car with someone, if you can avoid it, avoid it. I I know growing up, I was, I was warned repeatedly and that was back in the eighties and nineties, not to date myself, <laughs> but yeah, that was even back. Like things of this nature were, I, I guess, a bit more commonplace because of that. It's, it's not worth it. Just right. Y- you never know that normal guy might not be. And this just seems like a case of she hurt his ego. And so he hurt her back. Right. And how sick is that?
1: Yeah. And so, I've a, I picked up a hitchhiker once, but I to be fair, I actually knew the guy. He was walking from Glenrock to Casper. Oh, ah, okay. And I lived in Glenrock at the time. Glenrock's about twenty miles outside of Casper, and so I picked him up and gave him a ride. But like, I knew him already. To be fair.
0: That that I think that makes a little bit of a a, a slight bit of a difference. Yeah. 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 I I I I don't think. I don't think I would ever recommend to to anyone to pick up someone you don't know. And that includes on these online dating apps. Be careful. Yes. So (laughs) so he testified in court that he did kidnap her. It sounds like he's pretty well admitting to it. What were the what were the rulings?
1: So Eaton was found guilty on all charges and sentenced to death March 20th, 2004. He was originally scheduled to be put to death in February of 2010, but was given a stay of execution in December of 2009. It was overturned in 2014, and the state originally planned to seek a reinstatement of the death sentence, but then it dropped their the, the request in September of 2021 based on the competency evaluation. So on September 30th, 2020, Eaton was ordered to undergo a competency evaluation, and they determined, quote-unquote, Mr. Eaton was not competent to proceed and that it is unlikely that he can be restored to competency. He had a series of strokes in prison and that left him with reduced functionality.
0: All right, so it seems that they they, they dropped it down to life imprisonment is what it seems here because he was no longer competent to understand, I guess, the uh, finality of his death sentence. Yes. Now, Wyoming, everybody knows that Wyoming is is a very conservative state, very pro-law state, very pro-justice, if you will. But I'm gonna ask you a question, Rebel. I'm gonna ask you a question. See if you know the answer to this. After the death penalty was reinstated in the United States in nineteen seventy seven, do you know how many people have been executed in the state of Wyoming? I think none. One. We have one one. in 1992. It was a guy by the name of Mark Hopkinson who killed a family. We had Governor Mike Sullivan back then. And Wyoming has also had one federal execution. That was back in 1945. Oh, wow. But as a state prior to that, we'd only had 17 executions. So eight, uh, well, 19 in total as a state. And then there were a few when we were just a Territory 7. Vast majority have been by hanging, though. Oh,
1: wow.
0: Yes, well, you know, it's hard to get electricity out there. So, Um, but yes, so there were several by hanging. There were a handful that suffered in the gas chamber in Rollins. And then the last one was lethal injection. That might also be speaking to the incredibly small population that Wyoming has. But not too many death penalties handed out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So on January 21st, 2022, the Department of Corrections failed to bring Eaton to court for a sentencing hearing. So he did get sentenced eventually, but the family was appalled, stating, I want him here. This is my last time to be re-victimized by the state after all of this. The lead defense attorney even apologized, and Sheila Kimmel, who was Lisa's mother, said, no, you're not. No, you're not. Get a handle.
0: So I can only imagine the immense amount of frustration that the family had to be feeling at that moment. Right. the person that had done these horrible things to, you know, Lisa's little girl, because that's what she'll always picture. And you know that there has to be some survivor's guilt in there because she flew up instead of just driving up with her daughter. Right. If she'd been there, what could have been different? Maybe nothing. Maybe it could have been a double homicide. Nobody knows. Nobody will ever know. But in a, in a bit of justice, the, the Kimmels did f- file a civil suit. Against Mr. Eaton, and they did win it, and they were awarded all of his land and buildings out there. So it was the the day before Lisa's thirty eighth birthday, mm-hmm. I believe. They burned all of the buildings down on his property. Burned them all down.
1: Like a giant birthday cake.
0: Yep, that's really kind of where it was on that. I mean, there was there was nothing redeeming about it there's nothing out there either right. so i mean it's it's not justice so to say but yeah. the family did say that it felt like it gave them some form of closure i don't know like there's no information on what they plan to do with the land or or anything along those lines but right. it is barren flat land now again so welcome to wyoming welcome to wyoming <laughs>
1: So then on March 25th, 2022, it was 30 years after the last sighting of Lisa, Eaton was sentenced to life imprisonment. And while he was on death row, he was the only inmate on Wyoming's death row.
0: So Wyoming, pretty famous for its one state penitentiary, I guess, in Rollins.
1: Mm -hmm. However,
0: he is not in Rollins. He 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 is actually at the Wyoming Medium Correctional Institution over by Torrington. So it's a male prison. Now, he is also there with a gentleman by the name of Robert Joseph Silveria, who is also known as the Boxcar Killer. He's a serial killer who's serving a double life sentence in in Wyoming. He was also convicted in Kansas and in Florida for other murders. But, yeah, he serves as the head cook there.
1: Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, age 64. He's someone that we, we may circle back to. Yeah but I was actually really shocked to find out that he actually wasn't in Rollins. Yeah. Uh, That always seems to be, you know, where they end up.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. They have the old state penitentiary in Rollins. Also the original penitent or the original prison that was there. Have you ever been down?
0: I I did. I took a, I took a school trip and we went and we, we visited the old state penitentiary. I got my mom a pair of, Native American headdress earrings made by prisoners at the state penitentiary sold at the old state penitentiary. And I took my kids there for their school tour as well. It was creepy. I'm not going to lie to you. I, there were oh, some yeah. stories that that stick out. That's one that I would wonder about seeing a paranormal tour there because dear heaven. Did you know there was a movie I filmed there? I was
1: about there? to bring that up. Yeah. Uh, well, then I'll let you called. get into
0: it. It's oh. called Prison.
1: Okay. Makes sense. Uh,
0: and i believe it used to be on youtube mm-hmm. so the film team it was made in 1987 and the film team came in and they knocked out a wall in the outside yard for the opening credit scene they were supposed to rebuild it and and they never did but yeah i i watched it mm-hmm. it is it's it's a creepy paranormal prison horror film really is what it is so if that is something you're into and enjoy, definitely check it out. You can see some of the places that we've been. But the number of stories there that, that, that just stick with you, like there was an inmate there that they had to make him turn around every time they opened his cell because he could recreate the key to open his cell door if he saw it. Just so much, I don't know, it, it, prisons have so much emotional cloud. You just walk in and you feel the oppression and the suffering in there. So how old were you when you went there?
1: Oh, I was I was actually a really small kid because my grandpa and my uncle were both correctional officers at the prison. And my grandpa was uh, he did some work with the inmates that did restoration around the old prison. Mm-hmm. And so he was in charge of taking the prisoners to the old prison to do some yard work and things like that via trustees. So oh, okay. when I was a kid, we actually got to go on like an extended tour of some of the areas that weren't available to the public, like the baseball diamond and stuff had been closed for a long time. Oh, and
0: wow. Different yeah. Different
1: areas. Yeah. So we got to go see some interesting things that nobody else got to see.
0: Hmm. This is one of those times where I feel I should tell you that I'm jealous of you, but I'm just going to let you have this one. I'm good with the parts of the prison I saw. and Yeah. yeah. Well, Rebel, I believe... That that brings us to the part of the show where we discuss a current missing persons case.
1: Yes. So this week, we're going to look at Kendra Nicole Battello. She disappeared from Enid, Oklahoma in July of 2022. She's biracial. She's African-American, Native American, and Hispanic. And she's an enrolled member of the Muscogee Creek Nation. Her hair was last seen cut very, very short in a buzz style cut. But she would often wear wigs of various colors and styles, and she's got dimples. She was last seen at a residence of the 1400 block of West Randolph, but left at some point. Nobody knows when. The last time that she was actually seen by family was July 5th, 2022. And then her mother heard from her around midnight on July 7th, and she was reported missing by her family on July 12th. She may have been sighted July 20th when somebody that resembled her knocked on someone's door in Pawnee, Oklahoma and asked for a glass of water. The woman who answered the door reported the sighting to police on July 21st after finding out that she was a missing person, but she was never, she's never been seen or heard from again. At the time of her disappearance, Kendra was with her boyfriend, Colby Shepard. There was a domestic violence case pending against him, and she was the victim. The court case was dismissed after her disappearance because she wasn't available to testify against him. And authorities haven't said whether he's a person of interest in the case or not. It is unusual for her to be out of contact with family or on social media for several days in a row. So she's definitely not just, you know, hanging out with friends or anything like that. She's a genuinely missing person.
0: And she was, of course, with her boyfriend. That's the last person she was seen with. And now she's the only witness, and now she's not there. This case gets dropped. Yeah. Okay. There's not much more to say about that, but you can read what I think between the lines there, I think. Please, if you if you see her, if you hear anything, who should they be contacting?
1: They need to contact the Enid Police Department at 580-242-7000.
0: Also, if you want to report anything anonymously, Crime Stoppers is also always available, or your local law enforcement Let's let's try and get this young lady home. We'd rather have her there than have another episode.
1: Yeah. And she's only 26 years old. So she was 24 at the age of disappearance. So she's still got her whole life ahead of her.
0: Yeah. it's very young, young, promising life. Let's let's not let it go to waste. Yes. So, well, then this has been a rather not to make it a pun, but close to home episode. I think this is the first episode we've done where we've we were both very well acquainted with with the case or at least parts of it definitely the poor young woman she she suffered but her family has finally gotten a bit of of closure on this and the dude that did this will be rotting in prison until he dies so i guess on that we can say justice has been served rather than we're waiting on it so
1: Mm -hmm. indeed yeah
0: let's look at it that way i suppose yeah all right well, Rebel, I have really enjoyed this week's episode. I hope that you did as well. I did. And I hope that our listeners have uh, have also enjoyed it. For those of you out there listening, Rebel, where can they catch our podcast?
1: So we're going to launch it anywhere that podcasts can be available. But if you have any cases that you'd like to be heard on our show, you can email us at murderosity at com. You can also find us on social media and you can message us there, but email is probably the most secure way to make sure that we get your message
0: and we do uh, take every, those emails seriously so we do
1: yep and uh, every follow and every message that we get it helps us bring more content to you so definitely don't hesitate to reach out to us if you have a missing persons case or a murder case or even just something that's kind of creepy and weird we like creepy and weird
0: it's not just murder we do the mayhem and the macabre and the mysterious here Yes. so the more obscure the better
1: yes we like learning new things and bringing new cases to people's ears,
0: and that does include missing persons cases too. So if you have one that yes. is near and dear to your heart, let us help you get the word out. There can never be too many people searching. Exactly. All right, well that's going to do it for me, Bob yep. and uh, Rebel. Thank you so much for for being the voice of the podcast. We couldn't do it couldn't do it without you. We look forward to seeing you all next week. Have a great one.